Nice to see you. And you too. You look well. I hope so. It's been a little bit spring. It's May. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yes. You've got the silver fox thing going. I know. I know. It gives <laughs> yeah. I think everyone's got this kind of, I haven't had a haircut for a year thing. I, I blame the wives myself. You know, it's all, oh, you look lovely with long hair, you know. <laughs> Are you all well? Yes, thank you. I, I wouldn't say I'm going to go out and live wildly. And I actually like the fact that we don't have to touch people. <laughs> Smaller groups. We had a lovely dozen, a gathering of a dozen Ethiopians at Fairfield yesterday, and it was all kind of elbow handshaking. But, but uh, you can somehow give much more attention to people in smaller groups, I think. It worked really well. Mm, nice. They, they brought some um, arake brewed in the sort of moonshine from the cottage industries in the north of Ethiopia, handled with extreme caution. Did you get pissed? Uh, well, but I better not sort of. <laughs> um, uh, and also, oh man, spicy chili sauce. Whoa. Mm. It actually cool. sounds like my perfect kind of day. <laughs> in, in Ras Benji's new sacred garden. Now look, today we've got Kevin Guy. Yes. I think this could be a bit of a scoop. I think it's the first major interview he's done. Okay. New leader, Bath and Northeast Somerset Council. And Ke I mean, Kevin isn't as a result of a, a plebiscite election. Kevin is an internal change. They've, the internal Lib Dem group asked Dina Romero to step aside and take on a children's and culture role. So she's still in the cabinet and uh, to appoint Kevin. I think there's a sort of vibe that they want to get more done before the next elections, which are in two years' time. Right. Okay. This is Imperial Voice, streaming from the palace of His Imperial Majesty, Haile Selassie. <laughs> a local authority should do should be based around helping uh, the most vulnerable in our society. I think the way it could be described is Baines Council has suffered from a, a heavy permafrost of, of middle management and one of my jobs is to melt that permafrost. Emperor Selassie was clearly a key historical figure, a very, very important person in many different aspects. So why we're not uh, shouting from the rooftops about him is beyond me. Kevin, hi. Hi, how are you doing? Lovely to see you. Better than Tozin, who's having some Zoom glitch for some reason. Thank you so much for agreeing to, to come on the show. It's really nice. You're very welcome, William. Very welcome. I suggest we gently get on with it, with, with Tozin sort of still trying to, to join us, if that's okay. No problem. Yeah, not so. So, um, hang on. So, are you, do you have a, a farming interest near Bath? Are you a director on a farm nearby? Uh, yes. So, the uh, main reason for me moving down to Bath is when I met my current husband just over six and a half years ago. Uh, he looks after his family's farms, his three, there's one in Barthampton. Okay. Um, Pipe House and uh, Moncton Coombe as well. Um, so it was easier for me to move down here than him physically move farms up to That's Shotsky. good. And what, what do the farms do? What, what, what sort of... Uh, cattle, mainly. Right. Um, nice. the, the cattle in Bathampton were removed because of the, 
hoo-ha with the park and ride. That was very stressful oh. for, for Steve. Uh, they wanted to build the park and ride on, on the land in Bathampton. But thankfully, that successfully beaten off and we managed to secure the land for with the National Trust, which is great. Well, that was a, a successful community asset transfer, which we look at with, with, with great interest. I mean, you know, the, the process can go through smoothly. And we wanted to ask, first of all, you know, what brought you to Bath and what were your initial perceptions of Bath when you first came here? Well, love brought me to Bath, to be honest. Hey. Like, like I said, <laughs> you know, I've, 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 I've got a beautiful husband, uh, deeply in love with him, and I fell in love with Bath you know, instantly. He's been here nearly all of his life, so he was an excellent tour guide when I first arrived, and I, I had, a, had a free tour guide, um, and I, I learned something new every time I walk around the city, and, and North East Somerset is, is such a beautiful place as well, so yeah, it, it wasn't hard to fall in love. Well, there is more and more to it, isn't there, as you sort of get under the skin of it, and I'm interested, now that you've been here a few years, how you perceive local needs, and what, what the community, both both in North East Somerset and also in the city of Bath, most needs? Yeah, but there's conflicting needs. Obviously, rural uh, desires are different to city centre desires. Uh, and, and we have to think about our village and town communities as well, Cainshaw, Midsummer, etc. They're, they're different requirements to Bath. And Bath is a very unique World Heritage Site. It has yep. some very interesting challenges, but also some uh, massive positives it's it's a huge mecca around the world everyone knows about bath its Roman history its culture um, and that's something that should be cherished looked after and um, encouraged to grow so I mean we've got a surprising amount of poverty and inequality here haven't we and uh, I wonder how you sort of see that and uh, and uh, um, whether you think that can be addressed in any way it's a very good point. So coming from the West Midlands, I, I used to represent a really deprived um, socioeconomic ward. Uh, so I'm used to uh, looking at those factors. And Bath is, a, in particular, is, is a, a have and have nots area. And then there are some massive challenges there. And one of my key priorities in this administration's key priorities is economic regeneration and making sure that regeneration is for everybody and not just the privileged few. Which was your um, ward before? Bathaven North. But previously, the one you came to in, in, in oh, the middle. Um, uh, Woodside. Yeah. Woodside, which is part of? Uh, Telford and Regan. Okay, fine. And was that, is that sort of ex-industrial? Um, massively so. So Telford was built around a string of, of small villages uh, as in one of the new towns in the late 70s and 80s. And it has business parks attached around it. Uh, built around the car really um, right. so that you had huge council estates uh, affordable homes built in massive big block areas and um, there's uh, the social issues were just all put together in one big block mm. so the housing uh, issue was sorted but the social problems were not sorted right uh, which is a common problem across the UK and across the world and you were a Labour councillor there do you want to just talk us through the journey from from Labour to Lib Dem yeah, so well, my first vote was ever was for the Lib Dems when I went to Aberystwyth University. Um, so I've always seen myself as a centrist, but my I come from very working class stock. So my parents have, have been Labour supporters and I, you kind of fall into that mode. Um, you get that, uh, my grandparents were Labour supporters. Yeah. Um, and it was always a two horse race in, in where I lived in Shropshire between Labour yeah. and, and the Tories. Yeah. So that's my uh, uh, natural 
Yeah, it's a different two horse race here, of course, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's very good. Right, I've pressed the happy button, which says um, admit Tozin. I see a picture and there she is. Hey Tozin, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you, Kevin. This now, Tozin, now you're here, would you like to do the introduction to the show? Ah, oh, well, okay. <laughs> Bear with me. Uh, you're listening to Imperial Voice. This is In Our City and I'm Tosin Onileri. I'm William Heath and our guest today is the newly elected, brand newly elected leader of Bath Council, Kevin Guy. Kevin, is this another Imperial Voice scoop? I mean, is this your first major interview since um, since being chosen? It, it is my first major interview. I, I did have a, an interview with BBC Radio Bristol, but they're not as big or as important as you guys. We're happy and we're proud. Thank you so much. We were just talking about Kevin's perception of of local needs. We touched on poverty and inequality. What would you say also about things like environment and, and, and equalities? You, you, your previous job was children's uh, cabinet member, wasn't it? That's correct, yeah. And, and obviously, if, if we get the children's issues correct, then hopefully we can solve the bigger pictures. One, one thing I found fascinating that kids in particular, they are so committed to green issues, they really understand it and they're really committed to it. So they're our future and, and getting, get it, getting the planet right is, is, is getting their future right. So it's at the heart of everything that we're going to do. There's a new um, a race panel, I think, uh, uh, the council has, which, I, um, which Dina Romero was chairing before. Do you, uh, do you know what the future of that is and who would be leading on that? Yeah, it's yet to be decided. We've, we've got a couple of applicants um, and I'm looking through them at the moment. Uh, I come from um, a diverse background myself, but um, I will um, be looking to appoint the best person because it's such an important issue. Um, so we need to get that appointment uh, absolutely spot on. I have to ask, what, what's diverse about your background? Oh, it, but it's, it's only because I come from, uh, I'm, I'm uh, a gay married man. So I've, I've had um, a lot of, I used to be in the military um, and it was quite difficult being an openly gay person in the military. Uh, was was tricky. It's it's set up around a man and a woman relationship. The, the women disappear off and have uh, drinks in another room, while the men go off in in a certain direction. It's a very antiquated way of doing things. So I've come across a bit of um, uh, abuse and uh, um, uh, in my time. It's it's a completely different issue to racism and sexism, but homophobia is still a still a problem in our society. Um, so I, I I I am coming from a, a, a similar angle. Well, that must be very inspiring when you think, look at someone like Pete Buttigieg and how far he's gotten, um, so, you know, uh, uh, to think that America is very conservative, no matter what they say. So to see someone with his profile, like, like yours, ex-military, young people. We, I, I think there's, there's, there's no barrier to success in the UK as if you work hard and, and you get... You know, we, we still have a bit of a class culture that we need to overcome, um, but that's a completely different topic of conversation altogether. Um, we, we need to be fully aware that there are racist, sexist, homophobic people in our society, and, and we need to challenge that and, and call it out when, whenever they rear their ugly heads. But um, no, I think uh, pointing somebody to our race panel is, 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 is fundamental and, and is, a, is a top priority for me. So at Fairfield House, we pride ourselves on being massively welcoming, totally inclusive, and from a class point of view, I think bohemian is probably the best way to go. So, uh, so you, you'll be fine with us, I think. 
Brilliant. <laughs> should we should we catch our breath and, and patch in your first your first track while we just sort of celebrate the, the global interweb working and us all being here? Should we do that? Sounds like a good idea. It's a superb <laughs> choice. It's my girl by the temptations. christenings etc and always, always dancing with my mom to, to my girl so it's, it's a particular favorite of mine. we were going to ask you uh, kevin whether there was a particular my girl you had in mind and what your husband made of that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah now my, um, my mom is, is is definitely the number one uh, my girl in my life and she she'll be very pleased if i say that as well yeah. good well we can all sign up to that i think so um kevin what what are your priorities as a new leader um what your frank appraisal of the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead of you? There are a huge amount of challenges, but there's a lot of opportunity as well. We're, we're very lucky in Baines. We have a, um, a very wealthy, on average, community. Uh, we have a big property portfolio as a, as a, as a council. That's not saying that we don't uh, share the same financial challenges as every other authority. We do. Um, there's two key major things that we need to get right. First of all is the post-COVID economic recovery. It's vital. 
Uh, it's so important to, and it's connected to everything else. You, we need money to come in to get children's services right, adult services right, but we need to get the finances correct to do that. And the second major priority is the ecology and eco ecological emergency. You know, as I've spoken before, if we don't get that right, we, we get nothing right. You know, everything else is in vain. If we, if we don't get the ecology and the climate system fixed, we made a, a commitment for 2030 to be carbon neutral in Baines. And I'm fully committed. The Lib Dems are fully committed. Our manifesto commitments are there. And I will reaffirm them as the new leader. Are those two things complementary or is there a tension between the green environmental agenda and the need to, to have economic recovery and renewal? Yeah, see, it, there, there shouldn't be. Historically, there has been. You're right. Uh, and everything's been measured on GDP increase rather than you know, people's happiness. And I'm quite pleased that New Zealand have moved away from measuring um, productivity around GDP. Um, so a green economic recovery is possible. And that's what we should be aiming for. It's, it's not easy, but it's, it's possible and, and also doable. So what sort of scale of, it's a sort of socio-economic recovery, really, isn't it? It's all, it's all tied in together. What, what sort of scale of ambition do you think you can bring to the two years uh, you've got before this all well, grabs again? People may have noticed I've created two deputy leader roles. One is around finance and economic recovery. The second one is around the ecology emergency and the environmental emergency, but also sustainable transport. And what will happen from now on in is the rest of the cabinet will report to those two individuals before they get to me. So they have to tick the green economic recovery box and they also have to tick the sustainable transport ecological emergency box as well before any decision gets made. So that it just uh, emphasises the importance I'm placing on those two key priorities by making two deputy leaders uh, purely responsible for those positions. One thing that I, uh, I mean, I think a lot of what you're saying is, is absolutely wonderful and it's fantastic to hear. But the reality often is that the people who are the most disadvantaged by these very well-meaning policies are people from the lower socioeconomic group. Um, you know, inadvertently, they get penalised by some of your ideas. Um, what are you doing to make sure that they, us, we, don't pay for, you know, in... in in real terms, in this time and this place, it's very well talking about the future and all that, but in this time and this place, how are you going to mitigate against the impact on the poorer communities? It's a brilliant question. So I, I come from one of those communities. I'm the first person in my family to go to university. Um, so I do understand the socioeconomic problems and social mobility is, is a massive problem. Uh, and if you're going to, to cure or, or try and fix the e post-COVID economic problems, you've got to make sure you do it for everybody. I, I'm, I'm not going to come on this show and, and, and be the usual politician and says, I've got, I've got all the answers because I don't have all the answers. But what I do, I have a brilliant team around me that will, will come up with those answers, but they need to be fair and balanced and they need to be answers for the whole community and not just the privileged few. Often is the case that when these grand schemes are thought of and economic regeneration is thought of, it's based purely on the ideas of wealthy businessmen and they know how best to fix economies, but they don't always. They have, a, they have an input and they have um, uh, a right to be at the table and help with the decision-making because often the people with the money are the people you want to be talking with because you can't fix things unless you've got the, the first strings right. 
Um, but I, no, it, it should be and will be a recovery for everybody. I, I, hopefully that answers your question. If it's not business that's driving the recovery with, with investment, who is it? Is it the council then? It's a balance. So it's business, central government, WECA and, and, and Baines itself, parish councils, uh, community groups. Everybody has their place uh, and role to, to play. It shouldn't just be one person telling other people what they need to do. That, that doesn't work. That, those are the old ways of doing things. It should be everybody working together, working out what best works for everybody uh, and not just the few. And, that, and that's the way this administration will be working from now on. And do you have several members of the sort of less advantaged um, communities on your board, you know, integrated, you know, take getting their feedback from them? Yeah, so, so we've got the local development forum uh, and that's chaired by a member from Twerton. Um, so, we, and we have other, uh, we have, a, we're really, really, really lucky to have such a mixed, diverse Liberal Democrat group from all different backgrounds. We have multi-multi-millionaire businessmen and we have people um, that are um, uh, come from the most deprived social um, demographics in our area. So it's a broad church and a broad church of ideas, I think, often comes up with the best ideas. So I think it's a very good measure. What will these changes do for Twerton? I mean, we, we must think of North East Somerset and we think of Bath, the heritage city, but we, I spent a day in Twerton last month. Uh, we went to Southside and talked to the Families Project there, the infant school, and talked to the headmaster about the, 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 the condition in which three-year-olds arrive into his care, which was quite, quite, quite shocking, into the Methodist Church, which is doing great stuff with that community cafe. And what, what blew me away was, was the clarity and the specificity and the energy that the people involved in meeting those social needs brought to bear so easily. No waffle, you know, no, no sort of bureaucratic sort of uh, committees and councils and plans. They were just getting on with it, getting on with it. And do you think, so people talk about a revolution that starts from the edge. Do you think that's the sort of economic recovery that we can achieve? One where the people who are marginalised are the ones who shape and drive and participate in and are activated by the process of change. I totally agree. I, I, my first visit to Twerton when I became councillor uh, over two years ago was to see George at the infant school. And I was, again, I was blown away by the commitment and dedication of, of the teachers and the parents. It was amazing and, and, and chatting and talking. And I sat down and had uh, dinner with, with the kids themselves in the canteen and listening to them. It was, it was, all, it was inspiring. Um, and, and everything I think a local authority should do should be based around helping uh, the most vulnerable in our society. Um, and, but also just, it's helping everybody. And if you're not listening to everybody, you, you, I think you don't get it right. So you need to take everybody's thoughts on board. Um, and I'm always inspired when I, when I go to any school and listen to any children and the, and the parents and the teachers. It's, it's a brilliant experience and I recommend it to anybody to just go and talk to kids sometimes. They're a very good grounding rod, they really are. Thank you very much for that. Um, but kind of looking at a different sort of perspective now, I go to going into Bath um, occasionally, and perhaps it's because I don't go often that I am uh, the impact of the changes that are going on there um, is very, very visually um, evident. I've seen loads of shops closing down. What are you going to do about that? 
Well, Bath High Street and all other high streets in Baines are no exception to the national trend that people's shopping habits have changed uh, and high streets need to adapt to that. That's not saying that the traditional high street idea is dead or gone, because I don't think it is. I think there's plenty of scope for people wanting to go out and do their shopping in, in a traditional way. Uh, I, I had, so, so as part of the economic regeneration, uh, Richard Samuel is in charge of, of high streets and he's putting together a committee which will, be, which will be reporting to me in two weeks' time on exactly how to tackle that issue because it is, it, is it is a vitally important issue. I had an amazing uh, two-and-a-half-hour session with the Vice-Chancellor of Bath Spa University on Friday, and, and together there is a, a great idea to put uh, students in empty shops, so art exhibitions, music exhibitions, etc. so we don't have empty windows we have people in there we have life back in the city there's also the option of bringing more people to live above the shops to bring life back in to uh, the city when the shops close i think that's important so there's a multifaceted response to this um there's not one answer fits all but it is a top priority and, and, and i agree it's not pleasant to walk down a high street and see every fifth or sixth shop empty um but is a reality, and it's a reality all over the UK, and, and Bath and North East Somerset is not immune to that. And you don't think, I mean, I think those are brilliant ideas. I mean, those are really wonderful ideas, like the, and the pop-up shops and stuff. But yeah. you don't also think maybe you consider, like, looking at the business rates, which can, you know... Yeah, yeah, to, to, a, a brilliant point. And I know over the COVID period, our business team have given business rates holidays, uh, and they've looked at reducing business rates for certain companies. And they've done that. And, and if you are a business and you are listening to this, phone up our business team. If you're struggling, phone them up. There's no way, in my opinion, your business should be folding because the local council is taking too much money off you at this time. Yeah, you, you need to make sure you make contact with council uh, and, and get the help. And if you're not getting the help, call me directly and I'll, and I'll, help, I'll help you. I've got so many points I want to follow up on. Can I, can I say some of them? <laughs> So, so one thing is we're, we're massive fans of Bath Spa University and, and Sue Rigby and her work there. And uh, Bath Spa is, is the first corporate partner for Fairfield House. We've got a very, very innovative and wide-ranging partnership between the university there uh, with, with uh, placements and research and, and, and Fairfield House. And with the shops, um, so we're running a festival throughout this year, Freedom in the City, which celebrates Bath's deep relationship with uh, Ethiopia and um, uh, the heritage of Haile Selassie. And we'll be producing a lot of billboards and signs and art materials. So we'd love to place some of those in city center shops. They'll be very diverse and very uh, sort of uh, encouraging and different. So, so, so perhaps we can, we can sort of follow up on that. But I was very interested in your point about Richard Samuel, who, who I think has done a blinding job holding everything together for the last two years in very, very difficult circumstances, uh, doing a report on the future of the high street, because as you say, it's a problem everyone's wrestling with We've got a prestigious city centre high street. We've got interesting local ones like Moreland Road and Lark Hall. And then we've got Twerton, which, which is pretty much dead. So if there's going to be some sort of idea as to how we revive a high street, I would, I mean, surely we could be pretty innovative in that with the creativity that we have in Bath, the universities, the architects, the designers, uh, and the support of the council. So, so I'm sure we must be able to find a solution, mustn't we, to how our high streets survive at the heart of our communities. Totally agree. As mentioned before, we're, we're, we're quite lucky in, in the Baines area. We have some brilliant assets and the two universities are brilliant assets. They really are. Yeah. Very impressed with both of them. 
uh, a pool of talent there, pool of creativity. So why not use them? And if and if we're not using them, we will be using them. Uh, basically, you will be reaching out to sort of normal people, perhaps people like me who might want to, you know, use shops for to do our, uh, an exhibition. Um, yeah. And yeah, because if we don't know about it, we can't possibly apply. We can't possibly, you know, contact you, and we can't make use of these great opportunities. Well, well one interesting thing is I like the word you put normal people. Because often with politicians, we just get to speak to people who shout really loudly on social media or um, people who write you very vociferous emails and you don't get to chat. I do a lot of door knocking in my ward, so that's, that, that helps a lot because you get to talk about things that people really want to talk about as opposed to things that people want to shout to you about. Um, one of the issues with regular uh, people getting in touch with the council is they don't know how to do that particularly around this really important issue. So on Milson Street, uh, we're going to set up an office for the council where people can go in and they can talk about these issues. So if you've got some artwork, you can go on. And, uh, and our officers, you'll be able to speak to them face to face and get things done quickly. One, one of the things I really hate about local authority and, and civil service is that it just takes ages to get anything done. You know, three weeks for a meeting, uh, four months for a report, and then six months later, you'll get a list of recommendations. Well, that's not the way normal people work, is it? That's ridiculous. So that, that'll change. So having a, a physical point of contact for people to go to, rather than having to fumble through a website and eventually get to an answer machine message or something, is, is not the way to do things. So yeah, we'll, we'll change that and hopefully that will help. So Kevin- Well, I shall be taking advantage of it. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then going on, yeah, so-, so uh... Kevin, so could I just ask you about the council itself? I mean, with the challenges that our community faces, is there a risk that the council is somehow an inadvertent obstacle? Someone put to me the other day the expression that Bath suffers from unintentional inertia. And I just <laughs> wondered whether you think uh, any sort of culture change is necessary in the council itself and how, how you deliver that. Yeah, I, I, interesting. Um, I think the way it could be described is Baines Council has suffered from a, a heavy permafrost of, of middle management. Uh, that is not very flexible and one of my jobs that I've already started is to melt that permafrost and make it more flexible, make it more dynamic, make it able to react to people's needs quickly uh, and it has it is something that, is, that Baines has suffered from, that we have exceptionally good officers but they might have worked in a certain way and that way in my opinion needs to change now and it needs to be more dynamic uh, and, and more focused on getting things done rather than getting reports done. Over to you, Tosin, for the next track. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm conscious, I'm conscious not to, to waffle after I finish speaking. You're no, no, concise. You're quite good concise. Is he? he can come yes. again. Yeah, I like Absolutely. that. Yeah, okay. yeah good. So, um, your next choice, an interesting one, Uptown Girl by Billy Joel. So, let's listen. Brilliant.
tell us why you chose this song? Ah, now, Uptown Girl. Now, this is, I have two sisters. So my older sister, this was her favourite song when she was growing up. And I, this is my first memory from a song ever. I remember jumping, I must have been about three or four. I remember jumping up and down in her bed with her comb in my hand, singing to Billy Joel, Uptown Girl. And it's one of my first memories. So it brings me, it brings me a smile every time I hear it. And in fact, my sisters always go, oh, I can remember you jumping up and down on the bed when you were a little boy listening to this song. So yeah, it's a great track as well. It is. And I was really enjoying it. And I, and I was going down memory lane. Uh, with William when I, you know, found out that you liked this. And I was saying to him that uh, I remember being 16, so obviously I'm considerably older than you, and um, jumping in out of the tubes in London, um, dancing to Uptown Girl. Yeah. And then I made the mistake of going to look at the video and um, it suddenly became problematic. I don't know if you ever sort of visit old videos and suddenly you're, you're, you're uncomfortable with the things that you liked, has that, does that ever yeah. happen? I, I agree, sometimes I think from, when you reflect from now and looking back, you, you often look at things completely differently than when you did then. Um, and we're, I would hopefully say, we're a more enlightened society now than we were back then. The Billy Joel video is an interesting one. I don't think it's out of sync with, with, the, with all the videos of the time, but you're right, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily sit too well now. It's a shocking song about about sort of social inequality, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's almost as if somebody from Whitcomb started a relationship with somebody in Twerton, Kevin. I mean, it's really challenging stuff. It is. It is. <laughs> and we, obviously, that that would be a big news story in the local paper. Now, Tozin is going to ask you our classic question. Okay. Oh. So, Kevin. Now knowing Bath as you do, because I hear you're a relatively new resident, mm -hmm. who do you think is Bath's most globally famous resident? Oh, I'd probably have to, my, my first impression, I'd have to go uh, Jane, because uh, I, I often walk, walk past the house uh, uh, the opposite of uh, Sydney Gardens. So it was the first house that was pointed to me by my husband. Oh, do you know who used to live there? I said, oh, Jane Austen. Oh, interesting. Um, but I've come to know about lots of other people, Mary Shelley, a few others, some, some great um, female authors. So, But I would have to say Jane Austen would probably be my first big name that comes to mind. This woman lived in Bath for a heartbeat. I and know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bath in real terms. Thought it was a snobby close-minded, um, uh, pretentious community, did not like Bath at all. And yet we are like ghouls feasting off her memory. Um, but no, yes, she not like Bath. I've often had this debate over a glass of wine with, with, with a few friends. Yeah, totally, totally get where you're coming from on that one. Uh, <laughs> my, I, I'm, yeah. Part of my degree is social and economic histories. So, so I love all that type of stuff. I love researching and, I, and we all know the reason why Georgians came to Bath originally, it was, it was, a, it was a party place, you know, the, the Vegas of its day. Mm. Um, so a bit of a den of iniquity in certain places of the town. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm quite surprised Jane came in for just that short period. 
<laughs> so the National Trust um, are, are floating the idea that Bath is somehow a sort of city of empire, which is quite interesting because our Roman and Georgian links, I mean, you know, we're obviously an outpost of the Roman Empire. And then our Georgian heritage is very much one of a country in the process of building an empire. Mm -hmm. But they do make the point there's only one emperor who's ever lived in Bath. And that is his Imperial Majesty, Haile Selassie I, conquering lion of the tribe of Judah, um, Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And I, I, mean, I would put it to you that he was the turning point in our fight against fascism. He was the first to be invaded. He spoke to the League of Nations and he was the first to liberate his country a full year before El Alamin, when Churchill said we had no victories before, whereas they did. We, we liberated Ethiopia, which was celebrated last week. He's regarded as a god by, you know, tens of millions of people. He's, he's totally the object of veneration of the entire catalogue of reggae music, which is a UNESCO intangible cultural world, world heritage. And he's, you know, the father of African unity, the father of the African Union and, and of Pan-Africanism. So we would contend that he's quite a big deal in terms of globally famous, globally influential. So I, we, we'd like to leave that contention with you if we could. It, well, interestingly, my first ever visit to Bath uh, uh, Spa, the, the first thing I, I noticed, the first thing I went up to was his, the big portrait of him. And I, and I instantly asked my, which would have been my future, my, my to-be husband at the time. I said, well, wow, um, what's, what's Empress Lassie's connection to Bath? And he told me all about it. And I was mm. really, really fascinated. Mm. And I'm surprised we don't make a, a bigger thing of it because as a, as a student of history, he, he's such an important person. Um, and obviously Mussolini's invasion of his, his country is, is, a, is a big turning point in world history. Our, our Britain's and France objection to that invasion pushed Italy towards fascist Hitler and was a contributing factor. So, yeah, it's um, a really fascinating individual and we, and we should do more to celebrate his presence in, in, in Bath region. Having said that we should do more, you are the person that is able <laughs> to move us from the periphery and into the centre. I mean, I know that William has been working very hard for several years, trying to get the house repaired, um, supported, sustained, and to be put in the position that it should be within the history and, uh, and culture of Bath. And I think someone like yourself, obviously, you can redress the wrongs that have been done historically. Yeah, if I could just add to that, I, I think we'd love to feel that the people of Bath accepted it as a central part of our cultural and heritage identity. It, it, I think Ethiopians find it very odd that their head of state gave a gift to our community and that we seem to somehow have difficulty processing it. I mean, I think there are understandable reasons why he said it should be a home for the aged and that puts it into a specific budget heading and it's not actually a particularly cost-effective place to run old people's services. So we, we you know, we, we get that, but, but somehow... I suppose our fixation with being Georgian and Roman seems to be to the exclusion of this piece of our heritage, which is very, very significant, I think, and has a huge opportunity attached to it. I, I totally agree. Obviously, having the children's portfolio, Fairfield House didn't really come across my desk. And it, it is, is a new topic and a new challenge for me. Uh, and you're right, apparently, I, I'm, I'm now a very important person. They <laughs> telling me that. I don't know why they keep telling me that, but they do keep telling me that. Um, so I, I will agree. Let's look at let's have further discussions and, and look at the possibilities. I, I'm I'm open to to all suggestions. Brilliant. Yeah, that is brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> quite 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 right. We we um, I think very little has been done to link it with children uh, locally. But last year in Black History Month, we did do thirty talks for local schools, and um, I, I, it's just funny how how 
telling this story has not been part of what we've included in our curriculum, but kids love it. It's a really exciting story which children can really relate to. And even the schools which are like 300 yards away from the house weren't aware of it. It's interesting. Do you see in Fairfield House a, a different start point for Bath's relationship with people of African descent? Because obviously, you know, we were built at a time of colonialism and, and um, enslavement, and our abbey has more monuments to slavers than any other religious building in the country. But in, in your patch here in Bath, we have a completely different start point, an African emperor, a source of immense pride from a never colonized nation, and a place where Bath's um, minoritized people gather with great you know, joy and happiness and enthusiasm and welcome. I agree. I think we've got a perfect opportunity uh, to build on something special there. Um, it's, a, it's a gift, and it's a gift that we should exploit and, and use to its full potential. Anything that helps to educate people on, on this topic should, should be grasped at and, 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 uh, and exploited to its full potential. Emperor Selassie was clearly a key historical figure. A very, very important person in many different aspects. So why we're not uh, shouting from the rooftops about him is beyond me. Well, we'll, we'll very happily take that forward. Our local councillors are really supportive about this. Your predecessor and colleagues have all been really supportive. So we, we, we look forward to, to picking that up outside the scope of this interview. Um, Tosin, do you think it's time we had our rocking third track of Kevin's Choices? <laughs> yes. Um, Kevin, would you like to introduce, let's go a bit different. Would you like to introduce your third song? Yeah, so this is a track that everyone will be familiar with, uh, a brilliant track, and it's uh, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Mommy, 
mia, mamma mia! Mamma mia, let me go! Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me! For me! So your first non-overtly heterosexual track, Kevin. Yeah, I do apologise for that. No, so this, is, this is my favourite, this one. Yeah. 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 Who, who, who can not agree? <laughs> Indeed. I'm going to be, I'm going to sound really um, gay now. I'm going to say ABBA is also one of my particular favourite bands, but that's just me as well. <laughs> we, we, yeah. we, we love Queen. I have this weird double relationship with, because I have, I have a brother and a sister, and the brother is married to a specialist in paper conservation, and the sister is married to a dermatologist. And both my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law ended up caring for Freddie Mercury and his artworks in, the, in his last years. So oh, the, wow. sister, the sister-in-law was looking after all his etchings and he had amazing taste in, in artworks. And my brother-in-law was caring for his, his, his skin during his uh, suffering from AIDS. <laughs> and neither of them had any idea who he was and how important he was. <laughs> It's, it's one of these tracks that I think it gets everybody on the dance floor. It doesn't matter what, what age you are, you, or, or you'll, if you can't get up, you'll tap your foot to it at the same time. But no one can actually dance to it, can they? Let, let's be honest. Oh, God, no. Unless you're, unless you're in drag, pushing a hoover around for fruit, <laughs> you can't dance to it. <laughs> and I've never, for, for the listeners, I've never done that. No. <laughs> you've, never been, you've never been in drag? <laughs> No, no oh, uh, well, at university, there was a couple of times where we had, where the, the, um, the, the, the sports team I was attached to, we dressed up as women, yeah, so I, I have done drag. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I signed a recording contract in drag, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm totally down with RuPaul on the drag race. Oh, yeah, what a quality programme that is. Oh, it's it? brilliant. Now, 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 talk about addressing some social uh, uh, problems. That's really good at getting to the, uh, the teeth of things. That's interesting. I love it, yeah. I recommend it to anybody who's not... Uh, Watched it. Watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's gorgeous to look at, but it's psychologically st so strong because these are people who are really, really marginalised and they've really suffered, often in their family relationships. Yeah. And, and they, 
and they bond just wonderfully at the same time as laying shade on each other. It's great. I love it. They're, they're, they're definitely very frank. <laughs> they are. Are you a RuPaul fan, Tozin? Hmm. Not massively. I mean, I'm not an anti-fan, but I'm not a fan, if you see what I mean. Um, it's, um, yes. I mean, I'm doing... Um, uh, what is it? I have no problem with any of the concepts that are going on. But I guess I'm not, uh, I'm very toned down, perhaps maybe in the way that I um, aesthetically, in terms of dress and, you know. So uh, I, don't, be, I don't get often. You could be a RuPaul impersonator. <laughs> well, yeah, the bald head, he's got, he's bald and I'm bald, yes. I met but her that's... once, I met her once in Brooklyn. I was completely petrified, it was about 1985. Really? Uh, yeah, it was the most frightening night of my life. She was beautiful and just such a strong presence. Really. Are, are you taller than her? Or is she yeah, taller? narrowly. Yeah. Just yeah. narrowly. It, yeah. She's very tall. She yeah. is super tall. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, <laughs> New York was an edgy and difficult place at that time. <laughs> now, conscious that we have to release you at some point, Kevin, we, we'd love to hear kind of, you know, what kind of mark you'd like to leave. I mean, it's, it's two, two years' time you're looking back. What, what did success look like? Well, success in 2023 will, will be decided by the electorate. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll judge us as an administration, and I hope they re put their faith. No, no administration has won a second term in Baines. So, so, so my goal is to no. do that and, and put the, my trust in the people of Baines to, to re-elect a, a Lib Dem authority. Yeah. Um, and in terms of substantive achievements in areas like, I don't know, transport or, or socio-economic regeneration or, or cultural changes or, or, or recovery, are there, are there specifics? I mean, do you think like we'd have one or two high streets looking completely different and, and uh, engaging people? Well, re-putting life and, and regenerating a high street is a key priority. Yeah. Uh, and that all depends on, on how quickly we come out of the COVID period yeah. uh, and how quickly council finances can recover. But it's, yeah. it's, um, it's a cross-party uh, problem. So everybody will be having to deal with that one. Yeah. I think one of the key issues is, is maybe a key change is, is how we get around Baines and Bath in particular. People, there's lots of short journeys by car. People need to think about that. Do I need to travel a mile down the road in my car? And yeah. sustainable transport is a, is a key thing to, to be thinking about. Can I walk? Can I get on my bike? Can I take public transport? Yeah. Uh, you know, those are the, the key things that individual people need to do. And my job as the leader of the council is to give them the choice, and make sure there's safe cycling routes, safe walking routes, good uh, public transport. Um, so they have those options to make those changes themselves. You can't, you can't force people to, to change, but you can give them the choice. Again, can I just say that this is your, your, your um, um, policy is coming from a presumption of good health on, mm. on, on everyone's part. Someone like me, I look completely healthy. I look whatever. But you, you, I look, have... you, look, you look beautiful. Not, not oh, well, I wasn't fishing, but thank you. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, I have a heart condition. And that means that I can't walk anything that's an, uh, an incline. And so if you go into town and, and Bath is, you know, as we all know, it's, you know, uh, uh, settled on seven hills. So some of, for, for me, I wouldn't be able to move anywhere. Mm. If I suddenly had to, you know, either cycle, can't do that. If I had to walk everywhere, totally. So going about in the car is not necessarily a selfish 
um, choice, which is implicit, maybe sometimes in the policy, implied that people who do are. No, I, t- I totally agree. That That's more to do with the accessibility question and making sure that people have the choice. So if, if, if that mode of transport is your only way of getting in, as an administration, you need to make sure people can get in and can get about. But it's also about giving people the option if they can change, then it's up to them to make the decision to change. Uh, it shouldn't be um, being imposed upon anybody. It's not the it's not the responsibility of administrations or central government to tell people what they should or shouldn't be doing with their lives. People should be making the decision for themselves. Uh, and or shaming to, people. Or, well, or shaming people. I totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. It, people need to make the decisions that best suit their way of life. So um, one of our early interviews was Adam Reynolds, who spoke a lot about transport policy in, in, in Baines. And after talking to Adam, I, I tried out the council's e-bike loan scheme. Complete convert. Love it. I mean, I can get all the way to the top of Lansdowne Hill on, 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 on my e-bike. So that's a good way. Tosin, would you consider trying an e-scooter? These things you see buzzing around all over the place. I, I totally would. I totally, Do it. totally absolutely would. Yes. yes. They're everywhere. Do they need oh, to be regulated, Kevin, or are they okay? They, they, they're okay. I think the e-scooters definitely need to be regulated, and they are being regulated. The e-bikes, we just need to make sure that it, it's safe for people to travel around on the e-bikes, and, and they can, you know, they users can feel safe to get an e-bike. Because you're absolutely right. Baines and Bartham is full of hills, so pedalling up these hills is ridiculously hard, uh, and I know I can't do it. So e- e-bikes get, can be part of that solution. Kevin, I think our time is almost drawing to a close and I think um, we should have any sort of con- concluding remarks, but you know we're going to invite you to Fairfield House, don't you? If you, uh, we'd no, like you to, I, would, I would love to come to Fairfield House. Yeah. Come and meet the elders, the Afro-Caribbean elders who are beautifully cared for by Bemska and Pauline do, Sweet. Do I, do I get fed on African food as well? Because I, I love uh, all, all African foods. Well, yesterday, as, as it happens, we were having Miser Bere Bere and a little bit of Arake as well, which is not mm. to be trifled with. Um, yep. and also Caribbean cooks, so the, the jerk chicken, the curry goat. Oh, so well, you've sold it. I'm, I'll, I'll be there in half an hour. Yeah. It's a little portal. It's a portal to a different world, Kevin. And also the music there, I, for my money, is better than anywhere else in town. So we look forward to inviting you. Well, it's been very enlightening. I, you've, you've answered our questions. I, I hope that we see all these wonderful policies and ideas. I hope we see them come to fruition. That would be the thing that I would like to leave with. Certainly I feel encouraged, but I hope it's not yeah. just what. And I, I know exactly how you're feeling. One, one of the frustrations that my husband has expressed to me that is that administrations have come and gone in Bath and North East Somerset and, and not really a lot has changed. So, you know, my job is to make sure that we do make positive changes to people's lives. It's a hard thing to do. But I'm a man, a person of action rather than just a person of reports and words. So hopefully uh, people can judge me and judge this administration on, on the things that we do rather than the things that we talk about. Actually, I just remembered I did have a question. Do you really live in the caravan? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I've never lived in a caravan. So I think Kevin, from what you say, uh, the onus on getting the change done is going to fall on everybody, isn't it? Because we're all going to be engaged and connected and the different skills and resources right across the community, I think, have to be deployed to, to deliver the change we need. That's such totally, a, totally agree. Yeah. Totally. Superb. Thank you. We've been speaking to um, Kevin Guy. Kevin's Sorry, the, new, the new leader of Baines Council, Tosin. 
Yes, I know. This is a major <laughs> scoop. My, 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 my title is not as big as the Emperor's, but it's... Uh... <laughs> it's very big. I just had, I just had a moment. It's, yes. it's, it's Councillor for Bathaven North, Council Leader and Liberal, Liberal Democrat Group Leader, Kevin Guy. They updated the website, Kevin. Yes, great. yes, I've seen that. Yes. So, hello. So, um, again. <laughs> it's well, goodbye. Um, it's not hello. It's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. So, Kevin, for Even North, Council Leader and Liberal Democrat Group Leader, Kevin Guy. Kevin, thank you very much for joining us. And what is oh, it? Brilliant. Lovely chat, guys. And, thank um, you so much. And I look forward to, to visiting the house. I'm to see Kevin, it's been a complete pleasure. Yes, thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Take care. I'm, I'm William Heath. Stay tuned to Imperial Voice. How did you find Kevin? No, he was engaging and not waffly. Yeah, I agree. He seemed quite sort of strong, decisive, whatever. I mean, it's like lots of lots of good stuff, but is it ever is any of it gonna happen? Mm-hmm.